Hey Bugs, Super Beetle here. Welcome to the first ever Bug Buddies podcast. And my guest today, Daniel Moon. Uh, we just wrapped up an incredible, close to a year rivalry. Uh, and I wanted to get his perspective on things. So part one is all about his his life, how he started in the business, him coming up in the business, uh, what got him in, and the little detour he took in the middle. And then part two for my Patreon-only subscribers, at the uh, after dark level is all about the retrospect of our rivalry. Plus we go over our third and final no disqualification match there. So I thank you for listening or watching whatever you're doing uh, and enjoy the first episode of the bug buddies podcast. moon hi this is the first bug buddies podcast it is kind of a milestone it's i mean hopefully we, we really really hope so <laughs> um so i chose you for this because we have quite a bit of history that has yeah. just kind of rounded out um and we'll talk about that more in part two but i kind of want to know where your history starts tell me who is daniel moon for everybody that doesn't know well, man, uh, it, it's funny because it kind of starts where you came from. Mm. Uh, Daniel Moon started being developed at the School of Hard Knocks uh, under uh, Jesse Hernandez. Um, and I, I believe the school was at Riverside at the time. I, I'm not sure if it still is. Uh, doing a terrible job plot. <laughs> San Bernardino is where the school San is. Yeah. So if you're in the Inland Empire, San Bernardino, you go to the school of hard knocks and they'll they'll train you right. And I I had stumbled upon to one of the Covina shows as I grew up in Covina. And then harassed some of the the wrestlers to letting me know how I could become a wrestler. And they eventually just like, Oh, we'll talk to Jesse. And he told me about all the school stuff. And my parents wouldn't let me start training until after I finished high school. So the moment I finished high school, I, I enrolled and I had like a, a crappy summer job at cold stone where I saved up enough to pay for the training. And I, I, I I felt like I took to it very quickly mm -hmm. um, because in my time in high school, I, I was in the wrestling team. So I had like a referee's position to lock up. I already had that down. I had some of the, 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 the rhythms of the basics in me. Like I wasn't really scared to, to take a fall or anything because, you know, there's double like takedowns and stuff and, and amateur wrestling, and then you just kind of elevate that with body slams and power bombs and professional wrestling. Wait, so how old were you when you came to your first DWF show? Oh, uh, probably oh, maybe maybe sixteen. Yeah, it was somewhere like sophomore year of high school or the, uh, junior year of high school. So it might be uh, fifteen, sixteen, maybe. Okay, so how far into this, uh, like? How far into your wrestling obsession, let's say, was this? Did you were oh, you just man. watching or? No, I, I I started watching like when I was in elementary school. Some uh, 
six years old. I just remember one day, like uh, all my friends and, and recess were talking about guys I've never heard of because at the time we were talking about Power Rangers and Mortal Kombat. And then all of a sudden the conversation spun out like, and then Goldberg and Sting and like, who are these people? Are these Mortal Kombat characters? And they sounded like Mortal Kombat characters to me. Goldberg's <laughs> so just a WCW kid. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Goldberg's this big bald jack guy, and Sting is this like long hair, pale face, uh, you know, badass. And as soon as I kind of got the chance to watch, I was hooked. And then one of my like, I don't remember what the first match that I watched was, but my first wrestling memory. It was Ric Flair make his entrance against uh, Macho Man. Mm-hmm. Macho Man was uh, the babyface at the time, and Ric Flair came out with robes. And it was WCW, had like women escort and fireworks. And then um, I remember this was so funny. Uh, the, the, the referee looked just like a, a mini Ric Flair <laughs> at, at the time. Uh, Charles Roberts, Robinson was doing a heel referee thing with him. Yeah, a little Nate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Little Nate. Yeah, yeah. And it just, the whole back was stacked against Macho Man. And I was like, how is this guy ever going to win? <laughs> I was hooked. I was hooked. So, uh, you said you started training EWF, which is yes. funny because we haven't start, we haven't even crossed paths until like the last year oh, no, yeah. of wrestling. So take me from starting to train EWF to now where you train at MPW. What was uh, Millennium Pro Wrestling here in Chatsworth for people that don't know? What what what's the journey of that? Okay, so uh, I started training at EWF, and the guys that were uh, in class regularly at the time were uh, Jeremy Yeager, uh, Chris Cadillac, mm-hmm. um, was uh, Dropkick Murphy. He changed his name to uh, what is it? Ude. Ude. Ude yeah. Clea. Yes, and then uh, RJ Ruiz. Okay. So that, that was like our class. And then it's funny, like right towards the end of my class, um, there was this kid that started showing up with his dad. And I remember being partly, oh, oh, I, I forgot. Fidel was also in that class too. <laughs> <laughs> but Fidel didn't like me. Uh, but this uh, little boy started showing up to class. I remember part of me was like super jealous. Oh man, his parents let him train so early. And I, feel like I know who this is. It's, yep, it's Kid Reed. <laughs> <laughs> he's Quest. Yeah, so he's been training forever. So like he, uh, the joke was that he's going to be a, a 20 year pro by the time he's 30. And like that might be the case. And it's still the case. Yeah, it's not a joke anymore. That's reality. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs> Um, so, uh, then stuff at home started kind of changing a little bit. Um, and I started to get, uh, a part of it, like a little more anxious about like, Oh, you know, I want to start wrestling already. And, um, home situation was changing and I eventually decided, well, wrestling's not going anywhere. Maybe it's not for me and it was fun training. So like, I'll put that aside. And then I enlisted in the military. Okay. And uh, I served in the Air Force for four years. You know, that was cool. That was fun. That was crazy. What'd you do in the uh, Air Force? What was that? What'd you do in the Air Force? Uh, I was an airplane mechanic. Oh, on the wow. On the KC-135 Straddle Tanker. It is a big flying gas station. 
<laughs> it refuels the fighter jets. I'm learning like all new things about how smart <laughs> you are now. No, no, not at all. Because <laughs> the Air Force is like, like I took the ASVAB. I was going to join. Uh, yeah, I was going to join. And then they disqualified me because of my heart attack when I was 17. And like the Air Force was like the top tier of the ASVAB. For the record, I got a really good score on the ASVAB. I got 90, 96. Yeah. The only, but I was going into the Army only because the uh, building for my recruiter's office, I didn't know what I wanted to do with life. I was like, let me just walk straight in. The building of my recruiter's office was a square building and each side had a door on it for each each of the different uh branches of the military yeah. and the door facing the door facing the parking lot was the army door so i walked <laughs> in the first door if you would have walked around there's the marines there's the navy there's the air force and That's super funny. yep and I, I never saw anyone else in that office besides the army guys until my the asvab scores came in and like the Air Force had come to that office and were like, hey, so you got this score. You know, you can be with us and leave, leave these guys behind, right? I was like, no, that's cool. That's so funny. Well, <laughs> here's, here's sort of like a little side tangent on my recruitment story. My friend at the time was meeting with a recruiter and he has made up his mind that he was going to enlist and join. And uh, one day he just asked for a ride to the recruiter's office for one of his meetings, kind of, you know, kind of keeping in touch. And like a dummy, I walked into the office <laughs> with him instead of just sitting in my car, you know, doing whatever. And like, it was like delivered on a silver platter. And so he straight up got a referral bonus and everything. Um, no, 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 no. He got the referral bonus. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he brought you in like, hey, got another person to give me a ride. <laughs> hey, hey, well, here's the super funny part is I ended up shipping out before him. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I, they were asking me, so what's your plan with life? And I was like, well, I don't got one. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they eventually told me about all the benefits about serving and, you know, uh, uh, the, the experience of being in the military. And it, it seemed attractive for a young man with no direction. Oh, so 100%. I, I told I was them. Like, what a $30,000 signing bonus? Absolutely yeah. sign me up. And, uh, they then they asked me what kind of job did i want to do in the air force and like a dummy i said well give me will get me out of here the fastest <laughs> so they looked pulled out tomorrow let me, they pulled out their list of hard jobs and they're like airplane mechanic they're, they run 24-hour operations around the world They'll, you'll definitely have work <laughs> they're like we can get you now yeah so like two weeks later, and this, oh, I feel horrible saying this, um, on Mother's Day, wow. uh, it's the last day I spent at home. And then the next Monday, I was off to boot camp. <laughs> uh, so that's a horrible thing that I did with my mom. So it only took you two weeks from like that's walking it. in that door to get shipped out? Yeah, that's it. When that's you tell crazy. them, I want out of here as fast as possible, they, they comply. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're all about it. They're like, yes. Yeah. No time to change his mind. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So if you can stay here tonight. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless you find uh, a friend you can sleep with, then he could give you a ride. <laughs> so where did you work out of when you were in when you were enlisted? Uh, I was stationed in uh, Fairchild Air Force Base in Spokane, Washington. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's the big uh, refueler uh, base over in Washington. Uh, 
California has two, but the only one I can remember right now is Vandenberg. Oh, and the other one is March. March is in Riverside, actually. Everything's um, in Riverside, do you? Right, yeah, it's just a lot of land. <laughs> uh, so spent uh, my time in uh, Washington and then uh, routinely deployed to Kyrgyzstan. Uh, and if you ask me to point out on the map, I probably do a really bad job of it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, just drop me there. I don't know where it is. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's very close to Russia. I know that. <laughs> um, but that that was my deployment site. Um, anyways, got out and then uh, uh, briefly kind of pursued uh, a career in uh, nursing and just the medical field in general because I. I had some time to think, okay, what do I really want to do? And uh, the nursing field seemed like a safe option. And I decided to start off as a nursing assistant um, to kind of get my my teeth into it, the profession, really understand this is something I want to commit my GI Bill into. Mm-hmm. So I spent a year as a, as a nurse assistant and then started attending school to go to West Coast University and work on a bachelor's for nursing. And this time, uh, I slowly realized that nursing which isn't for me. I personally can't handle the the emotional toll of watching people I'm taking care of slowly die. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> uh, tough just listening to it, honestly. You know, it is rough. And like, oh, man, the part that really gets me is when you know that we have life-saving treatment for somebody, but their insurance won't pay for it. Yeah. Like, that... <sighs> My hands are tied. I can't do anything for you because it's illegal for me to do something for you. And you're too broke to live. Like, that's awful. I don't want to be part of that system. Yeah. <laughs> so I I kind of, all right, I decided I don't want to do that anymore. I dropped out and I just started working at a restaurant. And that time, my girlfriend really started to kind of push me to like, oh, well, you know, you should really pursue your passion. Like do do something you like, you know, you, you spent so much time of your life doing stuff that you thought you had to, but ne- never really loved. And coincidentally, um, one of my friends was, uh, invited to go to a wrestling show and he himself wasn't a fan. His mm-hmm. friend was on the show. Okay. And he wanted someone to go with, and he decided to call me up like, Hey Daniel, I know you're a big wrestling fan. My friend's wrestling at a show and I want to go support him, but I don't want to go alone. You want to go? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it was a millennium pro wrestling show, uh, over in uh, Moore park at the time. And this was the first live show I've had seen in a couple of years. I, I watched a couple of WWE shows uh, live while I was in Washington whenever they toured there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't seen live wrestling in a, in a, a few years. And I hadn't, I hadn't actively been watching wrestling at the time. So it kind of just like, oh, it's all back. <laughs> <laughs> like got the bug it, again. Exactly. And uh, I, I remember looking at the guys and and thinking hmm i'm not i'm not a little boy anymore like i they're they're not that much taller than me (laughs) they're they're not that much more uh bigger than me 
Uh, and I Put thought some muscle I, in the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was a skinny <laughs> little boy before. Um, not saying I'm not now. <laughs> I can certainly use more weight. Uh, but I decided, you know what? I I'm gonna I'm gonna ask if they have a school, and I'm gonna I'm gonna chase this. I'm gonna see where this goes. Mm. And uh, I ended up uh, talking to Seth Skyfire, who was the head trainer at the time. And he told me the schedule about all the classes that they have. And it's super uh, welcoming environment. And I, th- there was, there was no not doing this for me. <laughs> you were just and, from that point on also. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Like we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to do get it. Get me in the ring the fastest. Get me exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so started training there for a bit. Eventually, uh, people started to take notice enough to uh, have the confidence in me to put me in front of people on a live show. And from there, it's just been... Um, How long did that take? Um, for me, I feel like I cheated because I had a, <laughs> at least a year's worth of training with uh, EWF. Yeah. And that MPW from the moment I started to the moment I was in front of people was probably like three months. Okay, that is cheating. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, I, it's totally cheating. It, when you show up and you don't need to be taught how to roll or bump or yeah, go, I've done this before. Yeah, or run the ropes. Like another. Oh, you got your basics. You just kind of need to brush up on what goes where. Yep, easy. So this yeah. was how long ago? This was how long ago? Uh, this was 2016, I believe. Okay, so four years later now. You're yes, now yeah, yeah. Millennials. What was mm-hmm. what was that transition like? I guess. How do you decide to? team up with two other guys that are they're basically brothers like from the start they they're a natural team how did you get mixed up with that well danny had already started training um by the time i i joined mpw Mm -hmm. he was the i i think every promotion kind of has every kind of a a school system has their their golden boy of the moment okay Um, and i tell him that danny he called you a flash in the pan (laughs) <laughs> well, no, like, uh, for example, I imagine that when Andy was still training, he was probably the golden boy at the moment, right? Yeah, he was leading every, every class. Yeah. So that's sort of the same class leader position that Danny had. Okay. Uh, and I, I immediately kind of like looked up to him because I was like, oh, that's the guy I, I want to be. So kind of saw how he carried himself and uh you know just how you train and everything and uh uh, we became friends right off the bat Mm -hmm. and then maybe a year later uh brendan started getting the bug uh no pun intended (laughs) uh he 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 was going to every show regularly and then uh began training and i think maybe six months he of training he debuted oh wow yeah and in that time uh you know any opportunity that we had to work with each other we jumped at and eventually we we ran through the matchups that we can like i wrestled brendan a bunch of times i wrestled danny a bunch of times and danny and brendan wrestled each other a bunch of times and if we wanted to really continue working with all that exhausting you know uh our matchups the logical step is well then let's be a team Mm-hmm. And I, I think just the timing of it all worked out best 
uh, in that manner because once we came together, we were all ready to be a unit rather than individuals. I think had we teamed up from the beginning, I know for sure that I would have been way too selfish on uh, during the kind of the economy of the time of the match. I would want to do this, 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 and this, and then there's not a whole lot left for everybody else because that's just kind of like Green Boy syndrome, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I like yeah. that. What's, so, just on that topic, what's changed in your mind from from going to okay, I'm a singles wrestler. I gotta have these either five, six minute matches or fifteen, twenty minute matches on my own. To okay, now I have two other people to look out for in the ring to make sure uh, we all look good. Um, I've I've always liked tag team wrestling, um, and it was uh, it was kind of a conversation that uh, I had with Jeremy Yeager years ago mm-hmm. um we were talking about like oh would you ever want to be in a tag team and it's funny that he asked that question because he then went on to be in the a-list one of like ewf's like biggest tag teams yep um <laughs> and uh i said yeah because it's kind of part of the whole experience and then the words that he said kind of always stuck with me he said that it makes you a more complete wrestler to have a run in a team and i thought well yeah because it's is a whole uh sub genre that you would just not get any exposure in if you never have a run as a team you know they team wrestling and and singles wrestling is so different and yeah, that's two completely different categories exactly so like why it's like spending your whole life uh uh only playing, playing one genre of music and <laughs> you know you you never really mastered music yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so i i i've always kind of had the want to do it and it, it just worked out that it happened to be with the guys that i train with the most and you know their closest friends with in wrestling so at this point in your career do you like singles wrestling tag team wrestling or trio wrestling better Oh man, um, <laughs> I thought this was gonna be a hard question to answer because like, oh, between singles and uh, tag team, that's so hard. But you put in trios as a whole different category. That's <laughs> absolutely my favorite. Why is that? Uh, because it, I think we're really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I think it's just the right balance of, of uh, almost like you have toys you're playing with mm-hmm. and this is a, a, a six pieces is about the most pieces I could have and still have every everybody look good and everything makes sense uh, anything more than that starts becoming too messy um, so no eight mans no ten mans I, I think that's where uh, I mean it's definitely possible but I'm not good enough for it yet <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and uh, we, uh, we, Danny, Brendan, and myself all have uh, a similar uh, way of approaching matches and thinking of what works and what doesn't work. And uh, we're all really good at compromising, which I think is probably the secret ingredient to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we all know which which hill any one of us are, is willing to die on. <laughs> and when when someone reaches the point of oh i want to really do this or i don't really want to do that 
the other two. Okay, well, he feels about it like this for a certain uh, reason. Maybe we'll give it to him, and it'll be better at the end. Uh, and it usually is. I, I don't recall a time where there's been a compromise about something that someone really felt strongly about, and it wasn't for the overall better effect of the match. Do you find it easier now than when you guys started to kind of reel each other in? Um, because we were talking about that 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 green boy syndrome where like I got to do all my stuff. My part huh. of the match is ten minutes long. Uh, was that an easy compromise at the start to be like, all right, we need to split this up into into shorter uh-huh. parts now? Okay, so when we were a green team, I think uh, we made a. Uh, we were a selfish team, I would say. Okay. Um, and not in the sense of like uh, me and Danny or me and Brendan would want to, oh, I want to do more stuff as, and then he then gets mad and he wants to do more stuff. It's not, okay, we want to do double teams because that that's, that's kind of one of the luxuries of being in a team. You get to do double teams and you will never, ever get to do double teams as English matches. Yeah. Uh, so we would have too many double teams if that makes any sense <laughs> and i think that uh took away from matches and like not not necessarily just we would do all the double teams it's just uh they ended up meaning less in the match if that makes sense yeah absolutely mm-hmm. all right moon we got some questions to ask yeah. from people on instagram and on patreon so i'm gonna kind of throw these at you rapid fire a little bit okay all right all right. This is from Kyle MT nineteen. The top five moves that you love that you can't do. Oh man, that I, I love this. This is a really good question. Oh dang. Um. Well, they're all like bonkers moves. <laughs> <laughs> Ricochet's double moonsault. I can't do that. One. <laughs> um. At the six thirty. Uh. Let's see. What else? What else can't I do? Um. Doesn't have to all be flips. You can come up with something else. Oh, well, I, I, I what, 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 how about that? I don't do. That works. <laughs> um, ah, uh, jeez, uh, I don't do the pedigree. I think that's a love. That's a beautiful move. <laughs> I love the pedigree. Um, ripcord anything I don't do because it's too popular. But I always think it's cool because everybody <laughs> does it. Exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm really trying to stick to the premise and something that I can't do. I'm trying to think of stuff that I'm afraid of. Uh, for me, I destroyers. I guess I can't do destroyers, but I'm. Oh, cool. uh, I guess I guess uh, the uh, the the gorilla press. I can't do that. Yep. <laughs> That's not a flip. That too. I can't do that to most people. <laughs> yeah let's see uh baby child's wildflower says favorite movie you got to do during a match favorite move i got to do during a match i guess it can uh, be like I, a movie you regularly do or just any uh man uh I, I don't do them very often but whenever i do a destroyer i was all like the, the inner child in me is like p williams yes <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, doing the 450 is always super fun. Super fun. Yeah. Because you're just yeah, so in I, there for so long. <laughs> you're in the air for so long. That's my yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like, I really, like, every time, like, power bombs hurt. Don't get me wrong. 
But every time yeah. I'm in the air, I'm like, I am up here for so long. Getting picked up is scary. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Kish asks, what's the closest call you've had with running into a misplaced camera person? Oh, man. Uh, okay. Um, this is kind of uh, funny because it happened at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Okay. Um, it, it, I don't really even remember the match. I just remember uh, that that uh, Sean was by Shane. Oh, shoot. <laughs> and he was by uh, our, uh, the, our corner, and I had just tagged down, and he was trying to get a really good shot of the baby face inside the ring uh, selling. Mm-hmm. And as I was getting out pretty fast, I almost just straight booted the camera out of his arm. <laughs> and that's so, a cut to your paycheck at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I think that was probably the the closest call because it, you know, all camera equipment is expensive. But I, I'm sure, you know, television grade. Television equipment would probably yeah. be a little more expensive. Yeah. And then in front of like all you know all the all the boys are watching from a monitor backstage opposed to an indie show where they might be like two people peeking out of a window yeah you would not hear the end of it <laughs> yeah so i would say that's the the closest call danny divine pro asks why is daniel moon so handsome uh i would actually answer uh have a backup question why did Brendan hack into Danny's profile to ask that question? Ooh, that's a good one. I bet he didn't think I was going to ask that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Evan P500 says, uh, what's your worst injury to date? Worst injury? Um, I think it has to be when I dislocated uh, one of my ribs. What's the story with that? Um, I had just took a Shining Wizard uh, from Brendan mm-hmm. earlier in the match, and... Uh, I thought it was clever to give him a shining wizard, but reverse the way Adam Cole, Adam Cole, Adam Cole does it oh, okay. from the back of the head. Yeah, it was like it was before he started doing it. So like I never seen it, so like I never had a like an example how to do it. So I just kind of just went for it, and I landed super awkwardly. In the video, you can't even tell anything happened, um, but Wait, so it's you did totally, it to yourself. Yeah, I just did, I just landed weird. It was a freak thing. How long um, was this? Uh, this was probably three years ago, like one year into wrestling. Oh, okay. How long were you out for? Uh, oh, man, this is so irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was officially out for a week, and then I had really light duty for the rest because I was in a big program heading into a triple threat with uh, – I know I'm – I didn't want to go my spot. my head. <laughs> I didn't want to give up my spot. It was a great opportunity. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, I was in just tag matches leading up to a big, big uh, main event triple threat with the the MPW champion and then the owner of the company and then me who to, trying to prove that I belong. With your the, broken rib. Yeah. <laughs> Last one. Uh, Chandra Catastrophe asks, how do you think wrestling will change once bands are lifted and shows can start again? This is something we've talked about. Uh, a little bit in the current climate. Uh, it, I, I think that there, that the enthusiasm from the crowd is going to be there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be an appetite for live entertainment in general. So I think the atmospheres at, at wrestling shows are going to be electric for 
that first month, I think. Uh, I think um, a lot of the boys are excited and they're itching to get back in the ring. So I think you're really going to see everyone's A game out there. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of we're, – we're in the business of a lot of creatives. Uh, so I think we may see some innovative stuff out there uh, being shown. Uh, I think that uh, wrestling is definitely going to make a comeback. Uh, wrestling is not going to go anywhere. Uh, I think that it's going to come back almost aggressively uh, at, at the independent level because of a lot of hungry guys. Mm-hmm. As far as the business aspect, I really can't speak to uh, how many promotions are going to be around after, but I, I still think that the appetite for wrestling is there. And I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of uh, concessions that are going to have to be made by promotions coming back. Uh, and I think in any other situation, that if you know, like fans would question it, but I, th- I think whatever a promotion comes back with now and says, hey, we have to do this for everyone's safety, uh, people are going to understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think – if anything, wrestling fans are uh, resilient. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they are willing to uh, wait out and see how a story unfolds. And when it comes to more real world stuff, I think they're they will understand if you know you can't get that close in the merch table, or uh, there's got to be an empty seat in between you and your buddy at a show or something. I. Uh, the wrestling community is genuinely one of the most like loving and supportive communities I've ever had an opportunity or privilege to be part of. So I, I think wrestling is going to be okay, no matter kind of what, uh, new guidelines are in place. Yep. Well, moon, thank you for coming on the first episode of buggies, but he is not done. He will be back for part two. I just want to wrap it up for everyone. That's only watching part one, uh, plug yourself. Where can they find you? Oh my gosh, no! <laughs> so bad Let me look up on my social media. <laughs> Jeopardy music will be playing right now. Alright, you can follow me on Twitter at DanielMoon underscore pro and follow me on Instagram at Daniel Moon, <laughs> Daniel Moon underscore pro. I can't remember that. Hey, at least it's the same thing for both of them. Yeah. I've met so many people that are like, oh yeah, it's like XXX324 and then and then my Instagram is something completely different. So you're, you're on the right track. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> And that was part one. Thank you so much for watching on YouTube or listening if you're listening through podcast services because that was really fast uh, that we got that up. Maybe. We'll see. Um, But yeah, part two is exclusively on my Patreon, patreon.com slash realsuperbeetle, where we go through an entire retrospective of our big feud and we watch together uh, match three, our no disqualification match from this past February. Also, if you're watching this in May, don't forget that we're still giving away the Black Mass. You've still got time to enter, about a week actually, to enter 
to win the black mask all you got to do is subscribe to patreon.com slash real super beetle whatever tier you pick whatever dollar amount it is that's the amount of raffle tickets you get entered into the raffle and then at the end of may we will put all your names in a bag and we will draw out one lucky winner so thank you so much bugs for watching make sure to go follow daniel moon follow me wherever uh, at real super beetle on instagram and twitter if you're watching this on youtube if you're watching this on patreon i will see you over for uh part two thanks bugs thank you so much for watching and thank you so much to all my patrons for supporting me over on patreon.com slash real super beetle those would be alan williams amanda padilla angel ba asylum addiction bennett lacy charlotte passingham cody swanson colby christian Denise Halleck, Donna Backer, Eddie Villegas, Elizabeth Carley, Erickson, Gemma, James, Jolioli, Caden Mars, Kevin Chenga, Latones, Martel Scantos, Nathan Ragland, Paul Andalina, RHP, Ryan Williams, Stephen Clark, Thomas Simpson, Tony G, Valerie Bartlett, and Xavier Paz. Thank you all so much for your support. I could not do this without you and I'm so excited to keep on doing it.